What's up, Wizards fans and NBA nerds? My name is Bryce Haas, and you're listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network, a podcast giving you game-by-game breakdowns of everything Wizards. Hey, Hoop Heads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of the Wizards Hoops Analyst. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network, including Cavalier Central, Knuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Daily Thunder, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, At the Buzzer, and Cavaliers Fast Break. Plus, our coaching focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoop Heads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoop Heads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. And with that victory with the Wizards over the Cavs, the Wizards have officially clinched at least the 10th seed in the Eastern Conference, um, which I guess is good. Um, that means that they will make the play-in, um, which is obviously a great thing. I do want to remind people that, like, assuming... So if you do the thing where you assume all teams are equal um, going into the play-in, um, the 7th seed has an 80% chance to make the playoffs. The 8th seed has a 75% chance to make it. The nine seed has a twenty-five percent chance to make it, and the ten seed has a twenty percent chance to make it. Like, honestly, I think that right now the Wizards are better than the Pacers and the Hornets, and like maybe even I'm not gonna go. Uh, probably not the Celtics still, even though Jalen Brown is out. But like, you know, the, obviously, like whenever the Wizards are in um, the plan, like those odds will probably be a little bit higher. But those still aren't great odds, and that's just to get to the eight seed, just to play the Sixers. So, but like. Look, like a 20% chance of making the playoffs to have a 20% chance of beating the Sixers in the first round is better than a 0% chance at anything. Um, so that's always a positive thing to have actual like, competitive basketball to play for. Um, the Cavaliers, on the other hand, tonight just had nothing to play for. Like that game was kind of embarrassing in terms of who they're rolling out. But like that's just kind of how late season basketball is um, once you get to here. Um, so, you know, it's, it, it's okay. Like if you can improve your lottery odds, like why wouldn't you be doing that while also getting Colin Sexton 5 million on ball reps? Um, I mean, what she was doing anyways, but you know, whatever. Um, so the Wizards beat the Cavs 120 to 105. Um, that win pushes the Wizards record up to 33 and 38. Um, I'm pretty sure the Vegas over under was 32 and a half wins. Um, I think at the beginning of the season, I was saying that I really, really expect them to go over by a lot, or I guess like by at least a few. Um, now they're over by half. Uh, so shout out to me, I guess. <laughs> um, and then the Cavs record falls to 22 and 40, which is... Oh, no, no, not 40, 49, <laughs> um, which is not very good. Um, coming into this game, uh, got to pull up the Cleveland Cavaliers team stats. 
Cavaliers um, <laughs> point differential is minus 8.5, which is 28th in the league, which is god-awful. <laughs> um, their offensive rating was 106.2, which is 28th in the league, which is very bad. And their defensive rating was 114.7, which is 25th in the league, which is also very bad. Um, and that's, you know, most of the season with a lot of their guys. is That's their offensive and defensive rating. I want to quickly pull up the Cleveland Cavaliers injury report. Um, so the guys that were, so Darius Garland, um, just came back from his ankle injury today. Um, he's been out for like a long time. I think like at least a month, I believe. Um, Kevin Love was out because of rest. <laughs> um, and they might as well have just said Kevin Love's out because he's not coming back and we want to lose games. <laughs> um, Lamar Stevens is out because of a concussion. Isaiah Hardenstein was also out because of a concussion. Larry Nance Jr. is out because of a thumb injury, and he's going to be out the rest of the season. Um, the Larry Nance injury is what prompted them to sign Anderson Varejao, who hasn't played in a basketball game in four years. Um, I think like after that, I think he played in like Brazil or something for like a year and then like just hasn't played in like three years, like any professional basketball at all. Um, so that's like got to be the weirdest signing of the entire season. Um, Matthew Delavdova with a neck injury was out and he's going to miss the rest of the season. He didn't get much run this entire season because of injuries, um, which kind of sucks. Like it's always fun watching Delavdova play. Um, Torian Prince is out and he is done for the season because he got arthroscopic um, surgery on his ankle and Dylan Windler um, is out for the season because he got surgery to address patella tendinop- ten- tendinopathy. Tendinopathy, tendinopathy. Um, what I think that's that's the thing where like um, like you're like that's bad. That's not good. Um, Dylan Windler has been plagued by injuries the entire season, so that kind of sucks. Um, but you know, so the Cavs are missing one, two, three, four, five, six, seven dudes, and like one, two, three, four, five of them are like rotation players, and they're already like bad as is. Um, so yeah, like that team was not good at all. Um, but you know, you can only, <laughs> you can only play the, other, the team that the other team puts out there. So, um, good for the Wizards for picking up a win. Um, so going over the overview and four factor stuff from this game, um, the Wizards offensive rating was 120.2, which is very, very high, um, over the course of a game. Um, the Cavs offensive rating was 6.1. Wizards effective field percentage is actually only 50%, which is in the 26th percentile. Um, Cavs was 52.4 in the 40th percentile. Wizards turnover rate was 10.1 um, to the Cavs 17.2. Wizards offensive rebound rate was 26.4 to the Cavs 23.9. And then the free throw rate was through the roof. So it was 34.8 to the Cavs 20.2. Um, just to go over some of like the win probability stuff, like it was pretty close at halftime. At halftime, the win probability for the Wizards, like it was basically like pretty much tied um i think it was the wizards were up by two at halftime um and then going into the second half the win probably was 66.2 um and then like going into the fourth quarter it was 97.3 um so not necessarily the most competitive game like the Cavs kept it close for half um congrats to them they were hitting some shots um and then obviously like that um it regressed back to the mean um what they were doing in terms of shooting um Damian Dotson didn't play because of a coach's decision. That's that's just that's just clear tanking right there. Uh, Damian Dotson, I think, is actually like a legitimately solid player. Um, but anyways, just going over some of the box score stuff from this game. Um, Russell Westbrook had 21 points. He was plus 20 on the night. Um, there, there's actually I'll talk about in a second. But there's five Wizards that just like super super stand out in terms of their plus minus from this game. Um, but was, Russell Westbrook played 40 minutes, which is it's a little high for a game like this. 
Um, I, I'm not a big fan of that. Um, but anyways, he had 21 points, um, 17 assists. Obviously, he's a phenomenal playmaker. And if you're going to have Colin Sexton be the point of attack defender, he's going to pick you apart. Um, 12 rebounds, um, 7 for 18 from the field, 1 of 5 from the um, three-point line, and 6 of 8 from the free-throw line. So 21 points on a pretty inefficient 22 shooting possessions. Um, but the passing is where he um, really, really excelled in this game. Um, and kind of just like keeping the offense afloat. Um, Dallas Rattans had um, 17 points. He was only 3 of 11 from 3, though. 4 of 12 from the field overall, but he got to the line 7 times and made 6 free throws. Um, so like overall, his night, like 17 points on 15 and a half shooting possessions isn't terrible in terms of efficiency, even though he's only 3 of 11 from 3. Um, Rui Hachimura had 14 points. He didn't do too much. He's still kind of getting, um, you know, he's still kind of getting back from that injury he had. Um, in terms of other guys, like Anthony Gale at 12 points, um, he brought pretty good energy tonight. Um, eight free throws, like he got on the line eight times, which is really, really impressive. Um, he had two offensive rebounds, um, like, and he was plus 16 on the night. Um, Daniel Gafford was plus 15. He had 12 points, um, five rebounds, three or five from the field. Ish Smith was plus 13. Um, he had 11 points and then Garrison Matthews, um, was plus 11. Um, and then like the reason that these bench guys had such good plus minuses is because you go over to the Cavs bench and you look at who they were bringing off the bench. Um, no offense to Mafundu Kevin Gelly and Roger Thomas and Jeremiah Martin and Anderson Varejao, but like, come on, <laughs> come on now. Um, but yeah, so going over some of the Cavs guys, like Colin Sexton had 26 points, um, eight of 16 from the field, eight of eight from the free throw line. So 26 points on 20 shooting possessions, pretty efficient night actually, but he was minus 21 overall. Um, because the defense and the decision-making is just not there with him yet. Um, like he's, t- I don't want to... I don't want to cut into Colin Sexton or anything. Um, like I have like a signed Colin Sexton thing um, in my room, um, but like the, the decision making and the like, the passing is still like just not there, and like the defense still isn't there. Even though like sometimes he looks like he's bringing good intensity, it's just the rotations are just not there at all. Like getting around screens, like none of that stuff is like. Uh, I'm not going to go into Colin Sexton rant right now, but like Jared Allen at 18 points, <laughs> seven twelve from the field, four six to the line, um, 14 rebounds on three of those offensive. Um, Isaac Cora at 17 points. Um, they let him play around like in ball screens a lot. Like I was excited to see that. Like I'm still a big Okoro guy. Um, I, I'm a, I'm an Okoro believer. Um, the shot looks a lot better. Um, he, I wish he was more confident shooting it. He was two for 10 in this game. So maybe that's, <laughs> maybe that's why he's not as confident shooting it um, as I wish he was. Um, but like the, it's just the mechanics like from Auburn to this year or to this point in this year, um, they look cleaner, like they're quicker, they're smoother. Um, so I'm really, really happy to see that. Like he, last year he had like this, a little bit of a hitch at the top. Um, and this year that's mostly gone away. Um, very, very exciting stuff. Um, he also had five assists, like they're letting him run pick and rolls a lot. Um, is he necessarily like, you know, slowing down, like using change of pace, reading the back line of the defense, like using his strength to keep the defender on his hip, like all that kind of stuff. Like, no, not at all. Um, but look, he's a rookie. He's like, what, 19, 20 years old. Um, he was one of like, he was a pretty young guy coming out. Um, so can you really expect him to be doing that stuff? No. Um, he's, I think a pretty solid defender right now in terms of like on ball defense and like locking and trailing and top locking and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think he did a pretty solid job on Westbrook when he was on him. Like when Colin, I think Colin Sexton did a garbage job on Westbrook. I think Isaac Okoro did a perfectly passable job on Russell Westbrook. Um, just using his strength and his lateral quickness to stay in front of him. Um, and then like not going for any of the like cheap pump fakes or anything and not like giving him fouls on jumpers. Like I think Colin, or Isaac Okoro had a perfectly acceptable game, even though, like, you know, he wasn't really like, it, it wasn't a great game, but like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but like, Good defense, um, and then is kind of learning offensively. Um, but that that interests me. Um, I still really like. like he dunked on Bertans. Like I don't know, some of the core stuff is fun. Um, Chetty Osman, like 
Chetty Osmond's not very good. Every time he plays a Wizards, he looks like a star. Um, he just like makes a ton of shots. Um, he gets in the lane. He's shooting floaters. Um, I think my theory for why that is because it, the Wizards just throw Bertans on him. Um, because Chetty Osmond kind of runs around a lot, and they say, "Hey, Bertans, like you get locked and trailed all the time. You run around a lot on offense. Why don't you guard Chetty Osmond?" Um, and then Bertans guards Chetty Osmond. Bertans is like incapable of locking and trailing for some reason, even though he all like anyone ever does is try to lock and trail him or top lock him or whatever. But like. I don't know. One thing I've noticed, like a lot of teams kind of try to do this where they think that um, just because a shooter gets locked in trail that they can lock and trail another shooter. And that just like never, ever works out. Um, and that especially doesn't work for Tons. But sucks at lock and trailing. But like anyways, um, yeah, Chetty Osmond had 16 points um, on 12 shooting possessions or not even 10 shooting possessions, um, which is really good. Um, Dean Wade had 12 points, minus 10 played 35 minutes in this game. Um, Mafundu Kamangeli played 21 minutes and had was minus 17. Um, Roger Thomas minus 20. Oh, oh my goodness. Um, I actually think that Roger Thomas is kind of interesting um, because like I his like right now his decision making kind of stinks. Uh, and like just you know the, like the pace he plays at, um, he kind of needs to slow things down and like kind of process the game more. But um, he has some size. He can create some shots. He can handle his form. Looks pretty nice. He was over three from three. But like his mechanics all look really really solid. Um, you know, Roger Thomas is kind of interesting um, as like potentially maybe a guy at the end of a rotation at some point. Like, I don't know. That's kind of interesting to me. Um, if I knew Kevin Gale, like I think he can be a third center in this league if he ever figures out how to play defense or anything. <laughs> but like, you know, all these like Florida State guys with like, you know, six nine like super long wingspan. He's an athlete. He can move his feet like he can shoot it. Um, he needs to keep getting stronger. Like he weighs 250 pounds, like but he doesn't really play like he weighs 250 pounds. Um, like he has really long arms. He's a good athlete, but he doesn't really always use his athleticism all the time like i i don't know but i think mafundu kevin gelly um with a little bit of development could get there um like jeremiah martin uh did nothing at all when he checked in um he was in the league like a few weeks ago um so you know and then anderson verjao like man, i don't want to get started on anderson verjao slander but <laughs> but he played five minutes he was minus two he scored he the first play he came in offensively he like cut down the lane and he got a pass and he got an and one on robin lopez i think that was embarrassing, man. Like, come on. Like, why are we letting, how are we letting Anderson Verajal score? Um, also, like, Anderson Verajal was in. Scott Brooks was very, very smart to put Daniel Gafford in because I thought that they were just going to just throw lobs up to Daniel Gafford. Like, Russell Westbrook, like, what what on earth would Anderson Verajal do to handle just a spread pick and roll with Russell Westbrook and Daniel Gafford? Or, like, say, run that with an empty side, like, empty weak side, or, like, do do some kind of thing where like the help isn't going to come or like you know like on the back line like set some sort of screen for like a pin down for batons as you're running that action right so then the help is less likely to come like what would anderson verjao do if the wizards run that action what would he do he would he would just get scored on every time and then instead of attacking anderson verjao and pick and roll and just absolutely exposing the fact that he can't move because he's 38 and hasn't played in the league in forever um and like hasn't played competitive basketball in like years they were just running like pin actions for Bertans, which is like, it's great and all because Anderson Verjao can't really get up to the level to help on that. And like, if Dean Wade is locking and trailing Dobbs Bertans, then you're just going to get good looks. But like, don't you want layups instead of movement shooting threes? Um, like, you, I assume that you could just get layups and like lob dunks, like, um, whenever you feel like it against Anderson Verjao. Like, at that point, the game was like pretty close. So, that was, that was just kind of mind boggling that the Wizards didn't just destroy him. Um, but anyways, I don't know how long I just talked about um, Anderson, but like I need to fill time on this. Like that game was not very exciting. The Cavaliers just like barely played anyone. Um, 
that was it. Like, if you if you look up and down the Cavaliers roster, so let me just read the names of the Cavaliers playing this game. Um, Dean Wade, Chetty Osman, Isaac Okoro, Jared Allen, Colin Sexton, Mafundu Kevangeli, Anderson Verjao, Darius Garland for 12 minutes in his first game back from injury in like over a month. Um, Broderick Thomas and Jeremiah Martin. Um, how many of those guys are like top 60 at their position? Like, if you want to say like, if you wanted to find a rotation level players top 60 at their position, how many of those Cavaliers players would def- be defined as rotation level NBA players? Like Isaac Okoro and Chetty Osman are probably like fringe guys. Um, Jared Allen clearly, like Colin Sexton clearly, and Darius Garland clearly, but he barely played. So like, you know, maybe like Jared Allen and Colin Sexton count as two. Like Darius Garland counts as like a half because he like didn't even look like himself and he barely played. Um, and then like Isaac Okoro, Chetty Osman, combine them to make one. Like that's like three and a half. <laughs> rotation level guys like and that's the team you play against to get into the plan like congratulations i guess um i don't know let's talk about anthony gill um every month it seems like anthony gill gets minutes um and he's always interesting in his minutes um i think that anthony gill has a lot more like skill like like he was supposed to just come in and just be like a spot-up shooter right with like a little bit of movement skills um the movement skills i don't think are as <laughs> are as good as i remember them being when he was at uva um but at the same time, I think that he has a little bit of like more on-ball juice than I thought he would. Um, like he can actually like drive in a straight line, and like you know, he's actually like a, I think he's a pretty good finisher. Um, I love his energy level. Like he hustles, he goes for offensive rebounds. Like, um, and he's a good rebounder. He's pretty strong. Like, and then like he hasn't really done a lot of the shooting that he was supposed to do. So if he like kind of unlocks that, I think he could be like a pretty nice tenth man to have on your roster. Um, how old is Anthony Gill? uh he's 28 how old was he when he was at uva that was not that long. okay anyways um so yeah maybe maybe not um i don't know anthony goes interesting though i like i like the signing like i always love when teams just sign guys like internationally and just like throw them in games and like they end up being like because like that's kind of to me that's like a big market inefficiency in the nba right now like Jayshon tate is like awesome and he just like got signed from the nba like i mean he i think he was the best player in the nba but like anyways like he got signed. Like, he's, like, really, really good for the Rockets. Like, Facundo Campazzo, he was Real Madrid, right? That's where he was. Um, They just scooped him up, and they're just playing him now. Who I don't remember the guy, the name of the guy that signed for the Knicks, but, like, why not just sign? Like, these guys are good overseas. They're good on some of the best teams in the world, like, outside the NBA. Like, and, like, they're, they're starters, so go after them. Like, why wouldn't you? Like, they're clearly, like, good basketball players. Um, Who's the other guy that got? Like, um, Mike James. Like, why wasn't Mike James on an NBA team, like, I guess, like, maybe they took the right team to come get him, um, but, like, Mike James on the Nets, like, he is a legit NBA player who has, like, a lot of on-ball juice and can make really good reads in the pick and roll, like, he's a nice backup point guard for someone to have, um, so, yeah, I, I really like the Wizards for, like, taking a shot at Anthony Gill, like, maybe it hasn't worked out exactly ha- as I thought it would, um, but, like, he's still a nice guy to have at the end of your bench, um, I also want to talk about Daniel Gafford, um, he was, all over the place defensively um and against a team that like like so the Cavs offense is probably like the most like 80s offense in terms of like today's NBA that you could possibly have um like they run like tons of flex <laughs> like they run like high low they run like this x action that I used to run in high school with like two bigs at the like high post and then like go to the low post and the other flashes to the high like they run like all this like high low like they they run stuff from like the 90s like a lot of their stuff is like yeah, and then they have like they have an old school coach in JB Bickerstaff. I don't expect JB Bickerstaff to be the coach next year. No offense to him, um, but his offense is inimaginative. It's boring. Like he has two exciting guys and um, Colin Sexton and like Darius Garland. Like they have both those guys have on ball creation juice. Like they can both run a 
I don't know. Like the cards he's dealt are so difficult. Like I kind of get why he runs such a like old school. Well, no, I don't because like why is Jared Allen run, why is Jared Allen doing post ups? That doesn't make any sense. But anyways, um, Daniel Gafford, um, all he has to do is stand in the paint. If like um, Colin Sexton comes at him, go block a shot. Um, Jared Allen gets the ball. Like don't let don't let them throw the lob to Jared down. Um, you know. Colin Sexton, if he comes out, you try to block, like try to contest a shot, um, and then play the cat and mouse game. Um, Dan Gafford did a good job of that tonight, um, and he was active. Um, he was making good reads defensively. Like this was one of the better um, Dan Gafford games, in my opinion, in terms of defense. Um, and it's good that he's learning. Like this was a pretty basic, like old school vanilla offense, but like um, that he was playing against. But still, like th- that's good. I want to. <laughs> I'm actually pretty curious now. I want to look up Jared Allen post stats. Allen stats. Uh, so like all the tracking data, um, that I, uh, what the heck is this? Um, so I go to NBA.com and they have like tons and tons of tracking data that you can just like sit down all day and just like look at. Um, so if you like look at what player stats and you go to the NBA page and you go to tracking data, um, okay. I, I went to the wrong thing. I want to go. So you have to go to the NBA general stats, um, to look at the like ancillary, like post up stats and stuff like that. Um, so I'm just pulling that up super quickly. Uh, I think it's in play type, play type, play type, not isolation. I want to look at post up. Here it is. Okay. So post up and then you have to add an advanced filter player equals Jarrett Allen. Why is it not typing? Jarrett Allen. Okay. So Jarrett Allen post ups points per possession 0.96. Not too shabby, except that's way worse than what you want in terms of your offense. Like that's in the 53.6 percentile and that's below what you would want in terms of points per possession for your offense. Um, running a lot of Jared Allen post-ups, no offense to Jared Allen, but that's not a very good thing. Also considering that he has like no threat to pass in the post, like he's no threat to back anyone down at this point with like his lack of strength. Um, like all he really has going is like a right-handed hook shot, um, that he goes to. Um, I don't really understand that. Jared Allen also shot a three. He airballed by like two feet. (laughs) Um, yeah, like what are we doing here? Um, I don't know. Who else do I want to talk about? Um, Ish Smith. Let's talk about Ish Smith. Ish Smith has looked a lot better since coming back from his injury. Um, his shot has looked way, way better. Um, I still don't like the mid-range shooting. Um, like his shot decision making, I just don't think he's good. Like he's really, really quick still for like however old. What, I think he's thirty-three. Um, let me check that. I. He's thirty-two. Um, so Ishmael is thirty two. He's super quick. He still has a really nice handle. He can make some plays. Um, he's not making super high level reads, but he like can make some nice weak side corner cookout kickouts, not cookouts. Um, you know when he do, um you know gets into the paint, like he has basically like, a couple like he loves that crossover, the right to left cross, and then he loves the in and out. Um, and those are two signature moves. They're really hard to stop because he just has an awesome handle. Um, but what's frustrating with Ishmael um is the shot selection. Um, it's just not good. Like he was five for ten in this game. Like why is he shooting so many mid range jump shots? Like and why is Ishmith trying to challenge Jared Allen with like floaters? Um, that's just not his game. His game is more in terms of creation, like, but like he thinks he's a better scorer than he is. Um, sometimes when you're out there and like the other guys are like Anthony Gill and Robin Lopez and whoever, like Garrison Matthews, like sometimes you do have to take some poor shots just because like you don't have great offense. And like the Wizards' offense, like, I don't think like it's that exciting, especially with Bradley Beal out. Like, a lot of their plays are pretty dependent on Bradley. Like the sets they run are Bradley Beal dependent on them to work. Um, and then a lot of terms like Bradley Beal improvisation is like how the Wizards score. Um, so we take that piece out. Obviously, it's much harder to score. But also, there's just like the sets and actions and reads that the Wizards make. Just like they don't help themselves. Um, 
then it was like Ishmith shooting. Stop doing that, please. Ishmith playmaking, pushing the ball up the court. Um, you know, attacking an early offense like drags. Like I don't understand why the Wizards aren't running like double drags for Ishmith. I think that would be really, really nice in transition. Um, or like double drags for Westbrook. Like why aren't we doing that? Like so many teams run like double drags nowadays in early transition. Um, with really, really good point guards like you know the Damian Lillard, Steph Curry's of the world. Like even like Trey Young. Um, the Hawks run double drag all the time. I think that would be really interesting. Um, utilizing like incorporating Russ Westbrook's speed into that instead of shooting ability. Like. Maybe they just go under both. But if you go under two screens, all of a sudden, like the angle that you're taking on Russell Westbrook, like you're probably giving him a pretty good angle to drive. So I think that would be interesting, especially like the second guy is like someone who can pop. Um, I don't know who that like Rui Hachimura, I guess. Or like or, like say the second guy is like Bertans in that. Um, I think that can be an interesting look. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe Scott Brooks is saving some of this stuff. <laughs> I doubt it, though. Um, I want to see how far into the oh, 22 minutes. Okay. Um, what's up about... No, okay, let's talk about um, the NBA standings. NBA standings. Um, so if you're the Wizards, first of all, you really, really would rather play... I don't know who... Like, I guess there's a little bit of low-hanging fruit with the Sixers that you can attack. Um, yeah, okay. But, I mean, first of all, you got to focus on um, getting into the 9 seed. Um, actually, I want to look at the NBA standings on ESPN because the ones on Google, like, they don't always update right away. Um, so NBA standings on ESPN. So the Wizards right now are the 10 seed. They're half a game back of the Indiana Pacers. And they have, importantly, they have the tiebreaker with the Pacers. Um, so, but to really, really boost your odds of making the plan, um, you really need to get that eight seed. Um, like I, like I personally would favor the Wizards in a single game against the Pacers and in a single game against the Hornets. But if you tell me that like the Wizards have to win two games on the road, like that's tough. That's tough, especially with a when you give teams time to game plan against you, like that kind of like playoff level single elimination focus to game plan against you. That it is tough to win a game in that situation, especially when the Wizards have such low hanging fruit on how to play against them, how to defend them, how to attack them offensively. There's just too much low hanging fruit to like really really like know what's going to happen right and like i'll say the same thing with the hornets and the pacers like there is some low-hanging fruit there too like it goes both ways but like which coach is going to ex- do i trust to exploit it more james borrego um or scott brooks like Jam- i trust james borrego more um in a place do i trust nate bjorkman more than scott brooks uh, nate bjorkman is more experimental but like scott brooks is like a proven nba coach that guys don't dislike i don't know like I don't, we're getting too far ahead of ourselves here but like get to, if you can get to the eight seed i don't think they're going to get there because the hornets just have to win one game i think um out of their two games left uh or that doesn't sound right so they have yeah they have two games left who are they playing i know they're playing the wizards and they're playing the knicks tomorrow okay that's tough because <laughs> the knicks do have something to play for um but yeah um so we'll kind of see the wizards they just have to win a game i believe um to catch no i think that if the pacers lose out um, then the, cause the wizards do have that, uh, why is ESPN taking so long to load? I think, so the Pacers lose out, the wizards have the tiebreaker. Um, the wizards right now have 33 wins and the Pacers also have 33 wins. Um, the last two games of the season for the Pacers, they play the Lakers. Why doesn't ESPN show their full schedule? What the heck is this? <laughs> um, okay. So you have to click on full schedule. Okay. This is stupid. Okay. So they play the Lakers and then the Raptors on Sunday with nothing to play for. Um, yeah, that's, that's not very easy. Um, <laughs> so if the Lakers lose both of those and the wizards just lose, um, then they get to that um, nine seed, which does boost their odds of getting in the plane. Like you want to boost your odds as much as possible. So that's a good thing. Um, but yeah, Wizards Pacers, that's looking like it's going to be the matchup at this point. That's, it's interesting um, to say the least. Um, so yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. The next step. So what I'm thinking for the next episode is that like, um, 
like I'm going to do a like a game recap of the Hornets Wizards and then I think I'm going to do a preview of the plan game so that episode it's going to be longer it's probably going to be an hour but like hey we're getting down uh, yeah I don't know how many game Wizards basketball games are going to be left so we're getting down to the nitty-gritty um some of these like if we get to the playing stuff these episodes are going to be longer um that's just going to how be how it is like I've always had a goal of making the episode shorter and it's never happened um but yeah so that's going to do it for this episode definitely check out the one the long one um about the Hornets game and then the plane um preview um yeah <laughs> that's all I got Thank you for listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoopheads Podcast Network. Please don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoopsWizardsPod. I'll see you next time.